Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast here. We're actually going to be uploading this one a little bit early, and I usually don't do a commentary before I put up an episode, but I guess we're going to do that today. So this was with uh, guest Brandon Hightower. I recorded this actually a week ago, and it was great having him on. It was one of the more uh, interesting interviews I've done, I believe, actually in the middle of it. Someone stopped by and you know started talking to him in the middle of the interview, and I was planning on cutting that out, but at the same time, I think it goes to show the kind of person that he is personally, and the kind of the kind of people racers are where they're always working on something and there's always something going on. They're always doing something with racing. So I promise you it's not laziness that's preventing me from cutting it out because it takes me two seconds to do in this audio program that I use. But it just goes to show the kind of people these guys are. It's not just a facade they put on for interviews. It's not anything. I'm, when I'm talking to these drivers, it feels like I'm talking to the actual real person. And I say that after talking to Anthony Alfredo, I think that that one was a bit different. That really was just a casual conversation with the guy because he and I are friends. So that interview versus this interview, take a listen because you won't find much difference. I've talked to Brandon a couple times just setting up the interview, and I've I've talked to Anthony plenty of times. But if you listen to the two side by side, you would think that I've known Brandon just as long as I've known Anthony, I think. And take it. Just take that into consideration when you're listening. And I appreciate, again, every single one of you guys listening in to this podcast every week. It really does mean a lot, and it's it's a lot of work that gets put in. And for people to even listen to it, if five people listen to it, if one person listens to it, then I think it's all worth it. And to have as many people as I do listen, I am so incredibly lucky for you guys, and I really do genuinely appreciate every single one of you whether you know me personally, whether you don't, the fact that you tune in means a lot. And it keeps me going and gives me the ability to do these driver interviews every week or just come on and talk for 20 minutes a week, whatever it may be. Also, in other news, we're getting closer and closer to Daytona. The ARCA race is coming up, and then it's just going to be absolutely incredible to be watching the trucks and the Xfinity and the Cup uh, go out and race. And we've got the Clash and the Duels coming up. In NASCAR news, uh, it's Obayaki Racing, I believe is the correct pronunciation. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, With Tanner Berryhill said they were going to run the 500. They made a big announcement at the NASCAR Hall. And then they kind of just never showed up at the track and pulled out. So I'm guessing it was a funding issue. It's very, very hard to find the money to put one of those cars in the Daytona 500 or for any race, really. But long enough has passed. I can ramble all night on this. Please enjoy this interview with Brandon Hightower. Very interesting guy, running so many races of all different types, dirt, asphalt, whatever, building engines on the side. It was great having him on. Uh, Keep listening. I really do appreciate it. If you're enjoying the show, tweet at me. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Like I said last week, I'm a grown-up. I can take criticism. So if there's something you don't like, feel free to let me know. It's at Bottled Up Radio. If you wonder what I do in my personal time, I tweet about it there. I do a lot of iRacing on the side. I'm in the iRacing E-Series. I was almost the champion, but got taken out. But these things happen. If you you want to know more about my personal life, then check Twitter. I'm tweeting on there often. But thank you guys again so much for listening. Please enjoy this episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. All right. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. What's up, buddy? All right. Not too much at all. How's it going? Good. So, I'll let you introduce yourself here. So, actually, I need to start this up first. All right. So, so who are we here with today on Bottled Up? 
Uh, this is Brandon Hightower out of uh, Nagatus, Louisiana. And how is it down in Louisiana? Because up here in Indiana, where we're recording from, it is roughly 40 degrees, but it was negative 40 a couple days ago. How is it down there? It's, uh, it's 71 degrees right now. Are you serious? <laughs> That's not even fair. It's like scorching hot. Oh my gosh. Jeez. So, you've done some driving, and from what I saw, you're doing quite quite a few races this upcoming year, right? So, why don't you give us some insight into all those races coming up, first and foremost? Uh, yeah, what we have, we have a class called here, down here called, uh, I guess you can call it Wing Modifieds, so it's a Northeast Modified with the wing on top, and uh, then we also have our Super Late model, and uh, it's all dirt racing as well. Um, we have about 80 races right now scheduled and, um, by the end of the year, we'll have 80 for sure. Uh, so pretty much 50 after all the rainouts, you know, but, uh, we have the ultimate late model series, uh, comp cams, Louisiana late models, uh, Mississippi state, and then just, you know, some little open shows that they run as far as Mississippi does and some that Arkansas runs, stuff like that. Uh, plan to make it Tennessee once or twice, maybe Eldora if you know, everything goes right. Uh, and that's with the late model. But, you know, then we also have the uh, Southern Wing Mod, which I actually am helping promote a uh, series called Southern Wing Modified Tour. And then uh, we have Arkansas Wing Modifieds. And then we have Texas Wing Modifieds, which, uh, you know, it's it's one of the, it's kind of one where we have a bunch of the uh, classes kind of trying to combine to run one deal. And... That actually all sounds really incredible. So I think the hardest question would be, which one's going to be your favorite to run? Um, all of them. I don't know. <laughs> that's a hard. That's a hard pick right there. That's like finding a needle in a haystack right there. Ah, not the. Uh, well, actually, I don't think you mentioned it. You're doing some Xfinity stuff this upcoming season, right? I'm supposed to. When the, when the money's right. So those plans are still coming together? Something that we're trying to work on right now. You know, uh, one of those deals you kind of just take your time and try to find the right deal. Don't want to get in nothing that will get you in a pickle. Right. There's, yeah, plenty, probably a million and one stories of guys just jumping in way too quick and then, you know, losing losing out on better opportunities because they just jumped at the first one. So, yeah, waiting seems like the, the right choice, especially with how crazy everything has been with, well, you did some running with MBM and they are moving out of Dodge. They were the last Dodge team and they've just sold all that off. So what's uh, what's next for them? Do you know? I have no clue. I think they're, uh, I think they're solely doing uh, Toyota stuff now, you know, and some Chevy stuff, I think. I, I don't really know. I haven't really talked to them. Oh, okay. Huh. I think it's going to be an interesting year upcoming for the Xfinity series, but what about any of the other series? Have you looked at the Cop or the Truck series at all? I have not. You know, I really really don't like or I like the Truck series. I just There's so many people already in it. It's just hard to find the right deal 100%. Yeah, that's um, definitely... Uh, that seems to be the discussion I have with a lot of the truck guys I have on here. They they all say the competition's fierce, and it's just all about finding the right spot. 
So, give me one second. Sorry? I'll call you in a little I had someone in my driveway talk, uh, waiting to talk to me, but you're good. Go, let's go ahead. <laughs> uh, if, if you need if you need to go, that's that's all right. No, you're no, you're good. I, I have one of their we we own an engine shop down here, and I have one of their motors in my shop. So, but we're good. All right. Yeah, that sounds sounds good then. So, obviously, you're keeping busy if you've got you know people in the driveway getting ready to go and all that. So, what are you doing with that engine shop? What's what's the next step? Are you just building your own? Or are you selling them off to other teams? Oh um, yeah, we build mostly other people. I only build for me. We only do about four or five a year in both cars. Um, you know, just because normally our stuff's pretty reliable. Knock on wood. I'm liable to jinx myself right now, but for the most part, you know, we've had a really good good program going for both our wing car and uh, when we had our sprint car, we had a good program. Our late model, our modifieds. I mean, anything we've kind of put our hands on, we've kind of tweaked it played with it a whole i mean not a little bit either it's a whole lot of playing around and pulling radiators out to change cams because i didn't like one i didn't like it because of one sixteenth of throttle control you know to get down to that nitpick that i want which i'm very picky so it all kind of adds up at the end of the day that you know it it's it's a bunch of research and development pretty much what it boils down to you know right absolutely and it seems like that's as as the car manufacturers get closer and closer to each other the one thing differentiating them from each other is the front end you know so that you recognize a camaro from a supra or anything else but the engines inside is is what is making the difference in these cars it's some aerodynamics but with everything being so heavily regulated especially in the top series it seems like really what they're focused on is the engine so that's what's the number one thing now versus having a car with a good engine and a good driver, now it just has to have a really good engine if you want a chance at all. Because you can put, you know, if Jimmy Johnson were out there running, like, Starcom racing equipment or something like that, I can guarantee you he wouldn't be a household name like he is today. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you put Jimmy Johnson in the mix, so he's going he's gonna to have the best. I mean, that's – or some of the best. You know, you got Kyle Busch, he's going to have the best as – always that's 100 percent given right but you know it's like mike wallace once told me how fast do you want to go how much money do you have yeah they're and it's like that in anything uh you know with my dirt racing it just how fast do i want to go how much traction do i want to have on dirt if i want to have enough traction when it's blacker than black i mean then i better get ready to spend a nice little chunk yeah can you give any insight into how much those cars cost versus some of the other cars that you run? Uh, super light models? Right. Super light models are probably race ready, probably 100,000, 100, 125,000. Um, yeah. Uh, probably, you know, a cup car, I'm not real sure. I know an Xfinity car, I bought one one time, and I, I spent, you know, around, I'd say, a, Race ready, they're probably about the same. About probably about a hundred thousand, hundred twenty-five thousand. Uh, I mean, for the most part, when you're talking about a top-tier series, as far as like late models, super late models, stuff like that, uh, I know an asphalt late model, brand new, costs just as much. Yeah, um, that was uh... just as much as the dirt as a dirt late model does, or more. You know what I mean? And in my opinion, a dirt late model 
and this may sound bad to half the people that are going to listen to this, that uh, a dirt lake model is more fun than me. But that's me and the other 300,000 people that race dirt lake models, too. You know, it's just it's something we love. And to want to love it, you got to spend the money. And that's the bad part about it. I wish we could have everything for free. That'd be nice. But, uh, you know, good Lord willing, we're all trying to get the price of racing down. But at the same time, we're also trying to get it higher by finding new things to build. But, you know, we've got to do that to make our cars faster and safer, too. Right. It's tough. It's, it seems like it's a cycle where a guy who, who you know, fully understands racing and understands the cost of it, all of a sudden now they realize that the only way to really support themselves in racing and continuing it because it's so expensive is to start up something like an engine shop or a chassis shop or something like that. And then they go from wanting to keep prices low to now they've got to get prices higher so that they can keep racing and keep selling things to people. Yeah, that, and that's that's the only part that's really killing it is that we've got it. safety is a big key. Like I sell butler belt seats and hooker harness belts, and like you can go buy a set of hundred fifty dollar belts. Sure, that's fine, but in my opinion, to buy you know a set of five hundred dollar hooker harness belts so you can get recertified in two years and not have to worry about them ripping or any kind of strands coming apart. Um, you know, that's the best way to do it. And like a butler built seat, you can go buy a $300 seat. You can go buy a $500 seat. That's fine too. But the cheapest butler built is $749. Why jeopardize your safety with something that's not built by a complete 100% ro- You know, it's not robot built pretty much. It's all hand built. In my opinion, I'm going to go ahead and spend the extra $1,000 and I want to get the right stuff that's going to help me live if I got in a wreck serious enough to where you know, you could possibly injure your body for the rest of your life. And then, and like I said, that's an extra thousand dollars that you're going to spend right there on just a seat compared to another seat. Brand. Right. But it's something you've got, it's something you've got to do because especially like with sprint car racing, I don't want to be in a $300 seat in a sprint car. I don't care what you say or who owns it. If they're giving me a million dollars, I'm not going to sit in a $300 seat. <laughs> you know, I, those things are already gnarly. I would rather be in a Butler built or another higher name brand seat, but I'm going to spend that extra money. Like I say, to make sure that I'm okay. If something does happen. Right. You can't do much racing if your safety equipment fails. So exactly. What, what good is it when you're sitting at home and, the, and you have nothing to do now? Cause you can't race. They don't do you much good. All you can do is go fishing, which I'm okay with that too. Right. That doesn't sound too bad at all. <laughs> That, that's what I was telling my girlfriend earlier. I said, I'd much rather be at the Gulf right now, you know, sitting in my boat, catching me some old redfish or something. That'd be nice. Is that what you... Uh, degree weather. Right. Is that what you spend most of your time outside the car on? Uh, I think I spend it most of the time with her, but I try to go fishing. But, you know, the, the mine's on fishing, but the, the, the plan's never there. The boat's sitting there. It just ain't never getting used. Yeah. But... You know, that's just part of it. Normally we're working or like last Saturday we were supposed to do this interview deal and I, I had some other stuff I had to do. I had to, uh, I had to, you know, do some things in my shop and then I went somewhere and I didn't have service, but at the time we were going to do it, it's just like, man, it's never, never ended. Yeah. Never, uh, never a dull moment for a race car driver. That's what I've learned. <laughs> oh no. Heck no. And we 
We're either going to be out partying or doing something cool. No, I'm just I can't party anymore. I got, got trouble. So, still going to send it, though. Oh, jeez. Is that a story that we can tell on, on the radio? or? Uh, well, I got told I can't act a fool anymore. I, I do like to act a fool, so I had to stop. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess that's... Yeah, if, uh, I wanted a girl, if I wanted a girlfriend, I had to stop acting a fool. But, you know, sometimes it just be like that. Uh, you know, I've, I've had some pretty crazy stories. Matter of fact, in Indy, I've had some pretty crazy ones. Uh, this year, I, I really can't tell much of it because I don't remember much of it. But, you know, we had a good time. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, Indy's, uh, that's a fun track, I'll tell you what. Well, I didn't have fun at the Indy race because it didn't rang the whole time I was there. But I did have fun during PRI. Oh, geez, I can only imagine. Are you going to be uh, back at Indy this next year, do you think, or do you know? For the race or for PRI? Um, well, I guess both. I'm, I'm hoping to go to PRI. I will be at PRI. I have to. Uh, I work with Butler built there. Sit there and measure people and grab on people's armpits. <laughs> And other and then grab on other males. My mom always told me, "Don't you ever grab on other males?" Well, by God, I gotta grab on. I gotta touch on other males. She'd be ashamed. She'd be oh, real ashamed. <laughs> well, yeah. What uh, what can you do? But yeah, do you think you'll be uh, up there for the race? I don't know. You know, I just I don't even know what weekend that is. We've got so many freaking dirt races this year. I've got to find out which Xfinity races are not going to be and interfere with my points. On my uh, on my dirt, you know my dirt schedule because we're running right now. As as of right now, we're going to run for three points championships. Uh, all our, all three schedules seem to work together pretty good, and so I'm really pumped about that. Like I'm I'm kind of like kind of shook about it that uh, I get to run for three championships in one year. And what we're doing, we're running for uh, Ultimate Deep South, which is another series that I'm trying to help grow around us. It's they're new to our area this year. It's going to be a great deal. The only thing that's really going to draw people away from this deal is going to be the fact you have to have an SFI seat, Lucas, uh, Lucas cell and a fire bottle, which not, I mean, like I say again, safety, it's just safety features that we, we require, but we're going to have that. And, um, I think our smallest race pays 4,000 or something like that. And then, uh, we have the Southern wing modified tour. I'm going to run that. That's a, uh, I think our smallest race in that pays 2,500 as well. Um, uh, and then our ARCA text wing modified as well, which is something my dad actually started or helped start back in, I think, 1997 or 8, something like that. Around, around about whenever I was born, I think he started it. And um, so, I'm, you know, I'm trying to help keep this deal going. It's wing modified has been around since the 50s. So, and they kind of died out, come back, die out, come back. You know, one of those kind of circulation deals. Kind of like NASCAR does right now with, the fans, you know, sometimes they'll gain them at the beginning of the year. Everybody's shocked about the new rules or they're mad about it. One of the two, when in reality, I don't really care. I just want to drive a race car at the end of the day. Right. But, uh, and, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing better than getting in a NASCAR, really, in my opinion. And uh, getting to live out your dream as a child of when you were watching Kyle Busch or you were watching these other people that really just kind of got you starstruck, I guess you could say. And, you can strap in a NASCAR and go on a on a NASCAR circuit track, and you can go 250 laps with them guys. It's like in the Xfinity Series. It's like wow, 
what's greater than this? You know, and, and I don't even see myself wanting to do Cup. I just love, like, well, Wayne Alton with the Xfinity Series. He's a director. Uh, you know, I love being around Wayne Alton and the guy, the, the official with the Xfinity, the officials with NASCAR. I mean, all of them guys are great. Uh, you know, they've done a lot for me, not just from, you know, the fact of, you know, getting me to, a chance to race and live out a dream. Like, I, I thought when I did my first three truck races or two truck races my first year racing NASCAR stuff, I thought that was it. I was like, all right, well, that's it. We're done. And uh, we had to deal with a sponsor that actually fell through, and the team actually shut down uh, Truck Series, but a really good team. And uh, when they when they shut down, the sponsor said, okay, we're not going to go to another team. So we uh, unfortunately I didn't get to run any more Truck Series races that, that next year, and that was uh, in 16. And we were going to – I mean, I really felt like we were going to have a good year, good winning equipment. And I don't want to say any names there. I would. Um, but, you know – that's just part of it. Money, money, like I said, money is your money is your key to happiness. People say money can't buy happiness, but I, I don't know who said made that saying, but they were definitely full of it because uh, money's bought me a lot of happiness and uh, a lot of race car parts. So those tend to be one and the same. So I don't want to take up too much of your uh, afternoon here. So I'm going to finish this off with the question I ask every every guests i have on the show so what was the first car like you personally drove not a race car but like your first personal car it would actually be a race car no actually it wouldn't it'd be a mac dump truck i was sitting on my dad's lap and i drove it i sat on my dad's lap and drove a mac dump truck i'm not i'm not sure if i'm supposed to say that on radio dot will be on me next week but uh it, it was really cool like i got to grow up around my dad and uh really thankful that i still have my dad and hopefully i keep him but uh you know, that's who actually is over the engine shop. He owns it. And I'm just, he just uses my shop, but we, he does a good job. And, you know, I grew up around a trucking company and fortunate enough to be a part of one now. And, uh, with advanced specialized carriers, that's our deal now. And it's just, it's dream come true to be able to grow up around my dad and spend, spend day and night, um, you know, getting to go to races with my dad and, my dad actually owned uh, my uncle's race cars, which got me started. And I started racing. I was 14. I walked up to my dad when I was 13 years old. And the way our tracks were around here, we couldn't race. You could not race till you were 14 because hmm. of the insurance. Well, I walked up to my dad when I was 13. I've been working on people's cars forever, building cars, doing everything I could, building motors. And uh, I walked up to my dad and said, hey, dad, I want to go racing. He said, he laughed at me. He said, well, what do you want to do? He said, do you want a factory stock or, you know, street stock or modified or something like that? And uh, he goes, I go, no. I said, I want a wing modified, which is a wing modified is a big block modified, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Right. Uh, you know, big block modified, but with a, obviously a small box, northeast mod with a wing on top. Something like I said has been around since the 50s. I think 55 was the first year of those. And, you know. I was like, no, I want to wing modified. And he was like, he just kind of looked at me like you were like, are you sure? Like, are you losing your mind? Because I ain't never drove a race car in my life. I'm 14 years old. Don't have a driver's license. 13, actually, but 14 years old on my first race. Don't have a driver's license. Don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I was probably drunker than crap. I wasn't, but I felt like I was because I did not know what I was doing at the time. And, uh, you know, we, I hopped in. I think we started 19th and we finished 5th. 
and I, there wasn't a single caution all night, but I had me a little motor that I could just hold to the floor and didn't know what to do. Well, there and, uh, you go. And we ended up, I think we ended up winning our third race, but it was pretty cool to see my dad, the way he reacts to, you know, the different things we do in life with the racing and where where we go, like him coming with me a lot. It was pretty cool. Like like I said, the first thing I ever drove was a Mack dump truck. I think I was five or six years old when I got to steer one. And he finally let me shift when I was able to move them, you know, move the shifter. And so uh, I'm pretty handy with my, my standards driving now. I don't know how many other 20-year-olds out there are pretty handy with it, but they need a bit because it's pretty fun. Absolutely. Well, hey, it's been great having you on the show. I'd like to have you back again sometime and, uh, anytime you're interested. Good talking to you. All right, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck this podcast.